Have you heard the um, politically correct version? I think I have, actually. It's pretty good. John Legend, I think. Is that yeah. I think it is. I don't know. I heard it. All right. I don't know what episode this is. I don't know what's going on. It's, we finally reached the point in the show where we, we've lost count of the episodes, which means that it's just a regular part of our week now. It's not that we're counting how high we get. We're just in it. We're all in all the time. We're thinking about you guys creating love and um, blazing new trails and the possibilities for humor, silliness, and sometimes the deep, dark, serious shadow. Yeah. Yeah. So this is our first recording after Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's great to be back. I'm still grateful. Right on. Yeah. You had a good Thanksgiving? I did. It was sweet. Um, went down to Paso Robles and visited family. And uh, it was great to see the youngins and see um, my my girlfriend's family and experience the blessings of abundant food and warmth <laughs> And, um, you know, then also some quiet time. Friday was quiet. Were you Um, still down there? Yeah, we were still down there. We were down there the whole weekend. One of the fun things I did was on Saturday, I went and got some LED colored uh, holiday lights and put them on the interior of my truck bed, my cab, uh, my truck. And so now it's um, it drives around and it's got colored lights in the windows of my truck. So how do you, do you how do you uh, electrify them? There's a an outlet in the back of the truck. Ah, so it plug just plugs right in. And um, are they like hooked synced up to your radio or your music or anything? No, no, they don't do anything spectacular. They just glow warm colors. And well, that's very cool. Do they change yeah. colors? No, they're okay. just cheap things that were probably made in Vietnam or China or something. They work and they, they work here. Yeah. Holiday cheer. Yeah. Yep. Too, yeah. Yeah. We're in like December. That. We're into the last month of the year. That's right. The first step towards darkness. Solstice is coming 21 days. Yeah. Are you and Kathy going to, um, go Carolyn with me and I, uh, I don't think so. I might go. Okay. 21st. I need to know more about the date. It's Wednesday, the 21st. That's the solstice. The 21st. Oh, that's when you guys always go? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I was, uh, I was pretty clear I didn't want to go this year, and now I'm feeling um, somewhat sure that I want to go. All right. Life has changed. Hedging my hedging. <laughs> That is so funny. There's a. I'm gonna sing. If I go, I'm gonna sing in a Monty Python voice the whole time. 
Oh, holy night, the brights are lightly brightening. The lights are brightly lightning. (laughs) See, this is why you don't want me to go. Well, if we don't get treats because of that sinning, then yeah, we're kicking you out. (laughs) Treats? Yeah, that's all. That's the big part of (laughs) why we do it. (laughs) Schnapps? Exactly. Oh, you know, honestly, anytime you're hanging out with Neil and walking the streets at night singing, it's, it's an adventure. Good, yeah, it's awesome. It's a holy he cut night. His hair? No way. No way. He looks like Rasputin. Oh, he has a beard now, too. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, fantastic. Boy, it's been a while since you've seen Neil. Huh? If I walked up on, on him on the street, I probably wouldn't recognize him. Oh, you would. Is he a fan of the show? Does he listen to podcasts? Probably no. not. No. He um, listened to our first episode, and it was raw. And he, he was just, like, shocked. He was... It's like, this is not for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and he... We are uh, the beef tartare of uh, podcasts. He wrote a solstice carol that is beautiful, and it's one of my favorite that's in our genre. Oh, cool. Yeah. Maybe I should bring the um, the Mark's Canon. What's that? It's a, a Christmas carol. Oh, canon. that's right. That your sister wrote. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's sung in the round. So we'd have to start at different times. Right. Well, we we could do that. We might have to practice. Yeah. We keep you know saying we're going to do that, but we don't practice. You know, what's really sad is that we aren't meeting at Mama's to start it i don't think that's sad oh well I but it was very convenient it was nice to start there and have hot apple mm-hmm. cider on the stove mm-hmm. hot chocolate mm-hmm. yeah that was a cool place to converge so do you guys go up your street or do you converge no, down Sycamore. on the flatland Sycamore. Sycamore. Yep, flatlands where all the kids are are you getting any of your kids to come no, they won't come. Why not? Same reason you didn't want to. It was nice and warm next to Netflix. That's why. Exactly. They're like, mm, Christmas caroling. A lot of people don't like to sing. Like, just the thought of singing out in public is, is a no. You know, this is funny because uh, people used to sing every Sunday in church, even though they were bad at it. And at least they would think that maybe they could sing. And now they don't even have that. So less and less people sing than my family. I think it depends what church you go to. Well, of course it does. So, so that's a very, (laughs) Hey, that's one of the things I was thinking about talking about is generalizations. Um, Because I was thinking about woke culture and calling people out. And as you know, I'm on the staff people in, like we talked about. Right. Exactly. Calling people in. Exactly. And um, one of the scenarios yesterday that was um, someone that was feeling put on upon because they wanted to celebrate the life of the queen in, in as a part of their mourning process but they felt they were getting pushback from people because of her um, participation with colonialism. 
And part of our looking at the scenario was how do you call a person in? You know, like there's two people who are feeling um, emotionally distraught. One person was like a silent one in the moment who was a person of a colonial country, you know, and kind of wanted to speak up like, hey, well, you know. <laughs> so anyway, I arrived at this thought that people are people. And when we generalize, we get into trouble. You know, like if you hired a Jewish accountant because you think Jews are good with money. Well, you might have hired a shitty accountant, you know, because people are people. There's good people. There's people that are shitty and they come in all flavors. Generally, I, bl- I agree with you. Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> <laughs> That was a softball across the plate if you didn't hit that one, man. (laughs) So the thing is, we tend to make up our minds so that we can have boxes that we can put things in so we don't have to do the work in the moment of actually finding out what's real. And it's a habit that is functional part of the time. And that's why it's so dangerous is because, you know, it general as generally speaking, generalization is generally a successful proposition. You know, you can sort of guess that if the person's really dirty and disheveled and talking to themselves as they shuffle down the street, that they're dangerous. But that's not true. That's funny. I was thinking homeless. <laughs> well, so, so our generalization's good. Like, when is a good, what's a good scenario for an appropriate generalization? Um, if you go into the fridge and you pull out the chicken salad and it smells like death, it's generally thought, it's a good general idea that it's probably not edible. No, but see, that's that's a specific. That's like a specific moment. You've okay. gone into the field. You got me. I don't want to get you. Like I really. No, I, know. I understand. I I'll try to be more serious. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. Why do you have chicken salad in your fridge? No, God, no, never. Are you guys vegetarian? No way. <laughs> Kill the animal. <laughs> Eat them now. All right. <laughs> Um, generally, no, um, I'm not vegetarian so far this morning. I am. All right. <laughs> but like, what is, it's a weakness. It's a, it's a cheat. It's, it's this idea that if we don't have to do the work with each person to actually meet them at the level of who they are and what they know and, and actually do the take the time, energy, and attention to talk to them, one human being to another, we, we, we get away with, you know, it's basically laziness. It's easier, it's, but it's, it's also robs us of the richness of human communication. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that ultimately, like, 
Here's a generalization, but I know <laughs> I'm going to not do it because of that. Like I want to be met and all the people that I know want to be met personally. They want to be seen and known. And I think also here's another example of a generalization that was trouble. This morning when I was working out, there was a woman on her cell phone having this conversation like near me. And at first I was upset, but then I thought, well, why am I upset? I think I'm upset because of this generalization that people talking on their cell phone in a public space is upsetting. Am I really upset? And if I am, why am I choosing that? And then, you know, I I worked with it and it went away and I didn't care anymore. Yeah, you know, um, we do have common agreements, unspoken agreements that we enforce and that we carry out in our culture. And they're serviceable on some level. They're functional. But on another level, there's, there's the potential for, um, one, getting it wrong, like looking at some situation or some person and deciding we know what's up. Right. And getting that wrong. And then right. all of the emotional roller coasters that we go on around having that judgment. Right? right. So we do this whole thing that we create out of our own head. Uh, and meanwhile, there's this other possibility that exists on just the other side of actually asking a human compassionate question about the situation. Like, do you have to fucking smoke right there? And they turn around and go, yeah, and shoot you in the head. <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> before you said your joke, I was thinking that's what calling in is, is being yeah. in the moment and really meeting the person. Right. Most people w- may want that, but for some, it it feels so alien because we've just, it's not a a practice that we've had, you know, even when you might say we had more social graces as part of the way we uh, teach our kids, you know, with, with quote manners or how we, you know, talk to each other in social situations, even those were perfunctory and performative and, you know, not necessarily reflective of true curiosity. And I think that's what it comes down to is, are you curious enough to meet someone and really meet them where they are. Can you reach out with your feelings to imagine their experience before you impose your viewpoint on what it really is on what you think it is? Or even like you said earlier, curiosity, inquire where they're at instead of even reaching out with feelings. There's a, with you and your, your person on the, their cell phone, you were hearing half of a conversation and there were probably lots of clues about what was going on for them in the half of the conversation that you heard. And you could draw your own conclusions. In fact, you did draw your own conclusions. You didn't ask them, Hey, what's going on with you? Why are you on your phone? At, you know, or the other thing you didn't do is state what was true for you, which is, Hey, you know, um, I just want to share with you that right now I'm working out and I'm feeling disturbed by you. 
Yeah, but that what I think is more important is your what you've um, said before is radical responsibility. I took responsibility for what I was feeling and didn't make it their problem. It was my problem, and I worked it out. Didn't even have to interact with them at all, and they didn't have to change. Right. And were you happy? Yeah, it it just really disappeared. It wasn't suppressed. It wasn't like I was there. Like, you know, I just once I realized that my reaction seemed to be more from this generalized idea of someone on their cell phone in a public space is annoying. But that's what I was really responding to. A generalization I had accepted as real. It, you know, what happens to me is I see people walking down the street talking and no one there and it still trips me out and it takes me, you know, a second and a half to realize, oh yeah, there are earbuds involved and they're having a conversation with someone, you know, it it still disarms me when I see people talking into nothing. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> Go well, run. I, I notice, right? I get curious. You what, notice like your, your... I notice my reaction first, and then I get curious about what I'm experiencing. And, you know, the the basic question that's happening is, is this person dangerous, or is this just someone on their cell phone? Hmm. Maybe that's when generalizations are good is you could accept the generalization that earbuds are a part of life now. So someone talking to themselves walking down the street is. Well, there's the awareness, the knowledge of that, but then there's the deeper sort of ingrained experience that is not used to that yet. The DNA of the situation. Maybe if I lived in Manhattan, I would have be desensitized to this because I experienced it as part of my daily fabric. Right. So that's another piece is you kind of live out in a rural area. It's not, I guess, suburban. What would you call your area? Yeah, I think it qualifies as um, rural. Suburban, it's rural suburbia because it's one of these weird places where there's apartment buildings, single family homes and horse ranches. Right. And then not far past the horse ranches is open space. So um, yeah. Yeah. So you're in a place where earbuds are not so popular on the street. Well, it's still America. Still Northern California. So there's, yeah, there's earbuds. All right. So you have no excuse to be triggered by people with earbuds. I don't need an excuse. I need an excuse. You need an excuse for me. (laughs) Yeah. Generally speaking. Yep. (laughs) I think that's the fourth time I've used that joke. So I'm going to stop now. (laughs) I think um, I may not be able to. Yeah. Repetition's a key part of humor. (laughs) Yeah. There's joy in repetition. <laughs> yes. So I've heard. <laughs> so he's son. Yeah, man. You know, it's fun. It's, this is one of the things that about, um, about my life that I notice how often Prince comes up for me. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, that's a measure of true impact, right? The, he had so many things to say and the way he said them musically, you know, really penetrate the memory, like, cause melody, that's why earworms are earworms. Cause when you combine lyrics with a song, you get memory 
you get more memory. And I think that actually goes back to things like the Torah and the canting of the religious con words. And, you know, if you ever hear a mass, a Christian mass or a Catholic mass done in Latin, there's a cadence and a tonality to it. It's not just the, you know, even if it is monosyllabic somewhat, and then <clears throat> even Tibetan chanting has a, a lyrical kind of m musicality to it. Right. Well, I was even interested in what Bridge brought up about um, Gregorian chants. And when she was learning about healing frequencies and experiencing them really healing her and then learned that Gregorian chants were those same frequencies, but I believe I could, you know, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, so I may be getting it wrong. You're generalizing? No, I'm paraphrasing. Okay. <laughs> okay, dictionary. <laughs> um, but Emphasis she said on the that show. the Catholic Church outlawed Gregorian chants because they didn't want people to have this access to healing in such a manner. They wanted to be remain the powerful source of where people had to go for healing. And so what you're saying was the Gregorian chanting community was outside of the acceptable norms for the Catholic church. Right. I got it. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't really know that much about history. Um, I find myself really curious about history. <laughs> Don't know much about geography. <laughs> Don't know much about the French I took. Don't know much about science some, books. <laughs> but I do know that I love you. And I know that if you love me too, what a wonderful, wonderful world this would be. Yeah, so um, I think the tonality of words helps us remember them. Obviously you remember that because of that. And I also, I was thinking yesterday, yesterday that there was a truck here with some workmen and they were hanging fiber outside the houses. So uh -huh. there's, they brought fiber to the main pole and now there's eight junction boxes for each of the houses here on the cul-de-sac. And I'm like, Ooh, Ooh. I'm going to have a fiber optic internet connection soon. Wow. And I'm like, Ooh, what could I do with that? And I'm like, well, geez, you know, like everything seems to run fast already. It's like, there's no movies that I'm not being able to watch or download or whatever. I'm like, well, why do I really want this? And then I, it dawned on me. I'm like, well, it's not the download speed. It's the upload speed. Yeah. Right. I can serve up more. And then I was like, you know what? I want to know what it would cost for us to be able to do like music on the show and maybe even have like a, um, a radio station where we both did. We played music as DJs. Right. And we like not like the traditional like the traditional FM DJ where we play the song and then we talk a little and we play. the right. song, Right. And I'm like, I want to know, like, what would what would a general license for that run me for Internet radio? Because hmm. <clears throat> it would be so fun to be able to sit with you and, you know, talk about music and then play the track and not have to worry about these other, you know, venues. And I'm like, well, I think we can do it on Twitch, right? Can we do it on Twitch? Well, we could even do it on here. Um, you mean sure. on, 
on the Apple podcast, but our YouTube and our Facebook lives would get sh- shut down right away, wouldn't they? Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, so I'm curious. Like, I'm now that I've got access, or I'm going to have access to fiber in 2023. I'm thinking, how could I make this um, more fun? Yeah, if we got somehow some licensing to and add permission, YouTube has a very excellent resource for saying, "I've got permission to do this." Yeah, so they're great at that. Facebook. My experience with Facebook is they just shut you down. I don't know. I just know, like when I've. I guess it's 50 50. I've had some experience with Facebook where I'm trying to get support and it's just a fucking nightmare nightmare. It's a black hole. You send some messages in and nothing happens. Right. Right. (laughs) Zuckerberg has everybody chained to their terminals down in a dark dungeon and no one has phones or email. Yeah. They're just walking around this wooden wheel waiting for their check to clear. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then busy, sometimes there's been trying to design their new avatars for when it goes full, you know, virtual. This is interesting. I heard, um, maybe I already mentioned it to you, but some guy was talking about how this meta thing, it's going to be about 15 years before it, um, really is a part of our life. He was saying that generally speaking, technology takes about 15 years. Like it enters and there's a big hurrah and then usually it bursts because he thinks crypto coin, cryptocurrency is going to remain a part of human life. Yeah, we should love to talk to this guy. It'd be a fun conversation. Um, I tend to agree with him about crypto. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Blockchain too. technology. But, yeah. you know, recent events have shown that if you are buying things and then letting someone online hold on to them for you, that might be a bad strategy. Well, if you're letting meth heads <laughs> run a billion dollar company, that might be a bad strategy. <laughs> Yeah, I hadn't heard that. Is is that generally true that they were meth heads or or? Well, apparently the young woman that was a COO or something like that, she posted a tweet that said, "Like microdosing meth, you realize how banal regular life is." (laughs) (laughs) Then it becomes a definition of a microdose. Last year was this much, and a microdose this year is a little bit more. Yeah, your teeth are falling out. I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that's part of what this person was saying. Like, you look back at the Internet thing of the late 90s, you know, when Pets.com and all these companies were huge and and where kids were running them primarily, and, you know, they were buying these hundred thousand dollar desks and just their business practice. That's a good time to be in the desk business. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> good point. It's like being in the gene business during the gold rush, being yeah. in the hardware business. Yep. Yeah. There's a great book called mud, blood and gold, which is all mm. about the San Francisco area right before and during the gold rush. Hey, did it go into like, I have heard 
that there was this thing with the mayor and construction companies and so many corners were cut in the building of San Francisco, which is why the earthquake was so devastating. Um, they didn't talk about that because it ended, you know, the book started in the, the forties, 1840s before the gold rush. Oh, okay. And then it, it's laid the, that set the stage for what happened in 48 and 49 and then 50 and 51. And <clears throat> it's fascinating to see the power struggles and the various things that happened that I recommend the book, mud, blood and gold. Okay. I don't remember the author's name, but it was a fascinating read for me. And, you know, I think earthquakes knock shit down. Like, I don't think it matters what the the construction was. You know, I don't think that's a real thing. Like, Well, it'd be worth wor- researching. One man's cutting corners is another man's being actually able to build his house for the money he had. No, but it was the skyscrapers the office buildings the downtown area well in 1906 the skyscrapers weren't all that big well they must have been bigger than uh mark is having a sneeze is that a sneeze or a cough i don't know what you're talking about yeah okay throw me under the bus see if i can (laughs) no he's right i pushed the mute button so that when i coughed from drinking my water that it wouldn't actually disturb the audience but of course greg can't let it go he had to mention it yep this is real i'm wondering um if this should be a short why don't you can you state that as a desire i would like this to be a short episode so are you giving me like a five minute warming warning I'm giving you no warning at all. <laughs> okay. I see how you are. I'm asking since Art took a coffee break. I don't know where he is. Yeah. Well, we were working on guests. One of the things we're going to do in 2023 is have more guests. We you know, the guest we had last week was really great. And, um, and the one before was really great. Yeah. We've had, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's not that we're boring. Um, as far as I can tell, uh, <laughs> we fooled I mean, ourselves at least. We 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 did look at the metrics, and there was a twofold increase in listenership when we had a guest. So we're taking that to heart. Um, Art yeah, showed us that. guys who say that Mark and I aren't enough. Yeah. Well. Anyway, I forget what I was talking about. <clears throat> Gold rush, Very- earthquakes. Yeah. Yeah, buildings being short. Buildings being short. (laughs) Mark the Marshmallow Man walking through San Francisco in the early 1900s, going, "Your fucking buildings are little. Fuck you." Yeah, I'm such a big man. Big man, big M A. Have you heard that song? Big man, big M A N. Big man. No, no. See, this is one of those moments where if we could just like pull pull it up and play the song, we could have a deeper conversation, more entertainment value for the show. I would love to do a music show. Yeah, we should look into that. Yeah. Right after we trademark our. (laughs) That certainly fell off, didn't it? What? There's work involved? Fuck that. (laughs) Don't tell anyone. (laughs) <laughs> oh boy! Hey, did you respond to my Facebook thing from uh, when you posted a plan, something about a plan? Um, 
No, I, I kind of wanted to have that pro, pro, that conversation in private. <laughs> oh, well, that was a good time. <laughs> yeah, since no one's listening. No, actually, people are listening. In fact, yeah, they are. Yeah, my partner came home and said they really liked last week's podcast. They were like, we oh, right to on. the last half of it. But um, Yeah, I'm a little jealous because Moped Outlaws is growing quicker than Live with Greg. Well, you, yeah. Well, they're both yours, make so it it's, nice. It's a fact. It's twice the success for you. Neither one of them would be what they are without you, Greg. Uh, neither one of them are paying our bills. Well, that's that's true. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I have it on good authority that the journey to a podcast paying your bills is three to five years um, if you're consistent. <laughs> what what about we got that going for us? I and, have it on you know, bad authority that you could use your podcast as a down payment for a nice house my podcast <laughs> yeah well, podcast. in some ways somehow the idea is not just to monetize what we do but to create so much value around what we share and what what we offer that it just grows of its own organic accord and i trust that the two you know moderately brilliant sort of funny guys who are aging have a, a, quite a niche to provide <laughs> a niche kind of That's wisdom a with a lowercase word. w i bought my wife a niche for christmas <laughs> yes <laughs> um so speaking of wives how was your date well her husband came along so it wasn't that great <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was very good. We're going out again Saturday. That's awesome. And it's, yeah, it was very nice. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. And, you know, again, like this occurred to me earlier when you were talking about meeting someone and being curious, it's funny how the mind when I, this is a new, this is in essence kind of a stranger to me, right? But we're obviously going out together with an equal desire for romance in our life. Not necessarily with each other, but that's why, you know, I'm going out on a date because I want to be romantically involved with someone. And she shared that she's going out because she wants to be romantically involved with someone. So the mind jumps around. Like, I just watch my mind back off like nope nope this is a good this isn't working not working like why um um i don't know um <laughs> you know, shoes were red you know how you are about red shoes <laughs> like it's just stupid you're like oh i'm scared no no that's not it <laughs> you know yeah that's brilliant like just noticing that there's some some fear for you and some concern and yeah. you know it's hard, especially when you've had something so brilliant go so terribly wrong. It, you know, it definitely makes us going to try. And I'm speaking from my own experience. I'm not spe speaking from yours necessarily, but um, I well, get it. Yeah, it was definitely, you, you know, I was in a very dark place after the divorce. So I keep this on my desk. Love rewards the brave. And that's by Daniel De Laporte. And uh, DanielDeLaporte.com, 
And it's a, it's a good reminder because when you lean into your desire, when you lean into the possibility of breaking through into what is behind and beyond the fear, you can discover the glorious rewards of romance. Like you're both looking for romance and guess what? It's staring you right in the face. So the question is, how, how can you embody being romantic so that that feeds her? Like if you just are romantic yourself and, and by romantic, I mean in the general sense that then it's there. It's you've brought it into the circle and you're sharing it without qualification, without expectation, you know, just generously being a source. So when you're the source, <clears throat> it's, it's exactly what is required. It's exactly what you want and need. And, you know, you're right. The mind is what gets in our way. Yeah. I think most people forget to play <laughs> with themselves. No, just to play when they're on a date to play. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's so important. What's well, such a like, audition or a resume thing, you know, like <laughs> I think just, you've already moved past the resume and you're now in the interview process. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it's not even an interview process that you've got the job, the job's yours. Now the question is, can you perform? Can you bring the, the, like the, that the is the question, it? isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily and, and, they invited this, invented this little blue pill for performance. No, that's not what I meant. Besides, there's so many more ways to be um, sensually giving than just the blue pill. <clears throat> yeah, there's nothing like a football game to bring sensuality to a relationship. Hey, have you been watching? No, you haven't. Never mind. So I noticed how quickly you really wanted to get off the spot. Like, this makes you uncomfortable, doesn't it? No. That's why you brought up football. Because I know you. You don't care about football. I love football. Yeah. I watch it every, what is it on? Saturday, Sunday, every Monday. <laughs> I'm a football geek. Yeah. Go Raiders. No. no. It, 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 with you, it, it would be like a football, like digital football on your phone, if at all. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> anyway, fantasy football for many a year until everyone I knew, which was the sole reason I was playing, kind of bounced out. Yeah, I never tried fantasy football because real football was just too disappointing. <laughs> so I just figured, well, if real football is no good, fantasy football is not going to be any good. And, and the reason it was so disappointing is that when I was seven years old, I discovered that my favorite football team, the Minnesota Vikings were thrilling to watch. And between the years of seven and 13, they got to the Super Bowl three times and they lost each one. Uh -huh. And then I kept with them after that. And then into my twenties and early thirties took them a while to get back to the Super Bowl. And then they lost two more times in the Super wow. Bowl. And <clears throat> What I'll say is that, you know, for the most part, I've been uh, a Vikings fan all my life. Um, there was a brief period where um, I was married and my wife was a P Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And so I was a Steelers fan for that period of time. But um, and they won a few Super Bowls, which was somewhat for me as it was the Vikings. 
But now that I'm single, well, not single. Now that I'm not married to her anymore, I I can be true to myself and and be a Vikings fan again. <laughs> that doesn't sound good, Mark. Now that I'm not married, I can be true to myself once again, <laughs> and not the clip Goya. See, that was some sophisticated humor I just laid down there, buddy. All right. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, in so many respects, um, and the NFL is the modern day equivalent of gladiator sports and bread and circuses to keep the masses doped up with, you know, entertainment. So they don't realize what's going on. Probably m- the biggest thing to hit the NFL was Colin Kaepernick. Like in my view, him taking a knee was the most exciting thing that happened in NFL <laughs> Mm-hmm. What about uh, what the rest of the world refers to as football? Yeah, well, um, when I was a kid, I was part of the North Northern California Youth Soccer League. So from about 11 to 14, I played soccer regularly and uh, um, what to the rest of the world is known as football. Football. <laughs> and I loved that sport. It was fun. Um and later I tried to go back to it. I joined an over 40 league when I was in my forties. And, uh, that was brutal. Um, because most of the guys that were in that were of European descent or Ooh. middle Eastern descent, and they were hardcore players and they, they got really angry. If you did anything wrong, it was like, <laughs> it was like all about anger. And, and you know, it was like my, even my own teammates would look at me askance and be like, be angry with me and i would be like what the fuck but i played pretty good until i pulled a muscle Uh, and then um i couldn't play i mean i pulled my quad um and that was it i was out for the season and i didn't go back for the next season um but i enjoyed it i played uh i practiced a bunch and played three games um the the second game i pulled the quad and then on the third game i tried to play with the pulled quad and that was a disaster Mm. Um, <clears throat> I think I gained a little respect playing injured. Like they were like, Oh, this, this yank isn't quite as uh weak as he appears. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that just makes me think of our friend, Kyle, who passed away. Yeah. Kyle, and he was a hardcore soccer player right to the end. Yeah. He was a leader in a very quiet way. Like he was outspoken in a very uh, grounded and kind way. Like there was a calm flexibility and nurturing to him that was underpinned with uh, a stealthful iron will. Like he really committed to the things that he was committed to in his life. And that was one of the things I loved about him was he was, I mean, I remember his smile and his laughter and the way he would just crack jokes and he had a kind of ironic view of life. And um, at the same time, his convictions were solid. That guy was would not take shit and he wouldn't um, compromise on his values. And um, he was really good as a musician, too. And, you know, bass players are, you know, with the few exceptions like Sting and Paul McCartney, um, they're not usually known as big stars, but he was the rock that held together 
one of the great blues bands and, and rock and roll bands of our regional area, which is the Walt the Dog Blues Band. And um, or the Walt, Walt the Dog is probably how he yeah. preferred to be known. Um, but yeah, uh, Kyle spoke fluent bass. And uh, I wasn't close to him, but I, I felt him every time I was in his presence because he just had that um, radiance of strength and love and power. And you could just tell the kind of guy he was. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good summing up. And, yeah. And I, you know, I guess he died in his sleep, which is a pretty good deal if you can, if you can swing that. Yeah. Yeah. Died peacefully in his sleep. Well, let's hope that next week's show doesn't kill us in our sleep. Recording stopped. <laughs>